ready to wrap up the 23rd Psalm tonight. How many of you are ready to get into the gifts of the Spirit next time? Gifts of the Spirit. How many of you feel like you've got a gift from the Spirit? Raise your hand if you believe you've got a gift from the Spirit. See, there are some people that didn't raise their hand. That shows I need to teach it because we all have one. You know, and that's okay. Look, hey, I didn't know anything when I got saved. Nothing. Um, so it's all right. No question is too bad. No question is a, is a wrong question because we're all growing and learning. Amen? Uh, want to welcome. Which one am I on now? Is, is it up there? I'm looking for the red light. Oh. I'm wanting to say hi. Hi. All of you that are watching my streaming video, we, uh, we welcome you. Amen. So good to have you uh, with us there from your living room, wherever you happen to be. Welcome to wrapping up the 23rd Psalm. Amen. All right. Let's read the 23rd Psalm out loud together, and then we're going to pray and be seated, and we'll wrap up the, this, this wonderful series. Lord, we just thank you right now for being with us, for touching us for ministering your word to us. And we pray in Jesus' name that tonight you'll give us ears to hear, eyes to see, help us to grow in the faith and to get a better grasp on our good shepherd, Jesus Christ, better grasp than we've ever had. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read it together. Are you ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil My cup runs over. Now tonight's verse, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? Forever. Forever. (laughs) Amen. Amen. God bless you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him he's your shepherd and you can be seated. God bless you. Amen. Y'all happy tonight? Last night, I was, uh, Monday night, went to eat with my uh, little mother. She's in a retirement center that is nice. And when she invites me for dinner, I go because it's like a five-star. And I knew that Monday night they were having turkey and dressing, which to me, I could eat that every night for the rest of my days. Um, So I went. And uh, it's a beautiful place, and my little mother is now the vice president of this place. She's 95, and totally lucid, totally healthy, and she's now vice president and running for president. Everybody say, life's never over until it's over. So anyway, she told me a story. She said, my, my place here, they're putting together a choir, and, and uh, so... Everybody was all excited because most of this place, Jeffrey, she, only she calls me Jeffrey. Most of the people in this place, Jeffrey, are Christians. And, and so they wanted a choir, so we're putting together a choir. So the director of the place where she lives put together uh, or, or got a choir director, found a, a female choir director in her 40s and 
Mother said everybody fell in love with her, and so she was having her first choir practice. Well, my little mother goes bouncing in there, and she's got a name tag on. And this choir director, brand new to this place, looked at her, looked at the name tag, and she said, she said, you don't know a Jeff Wickwire, do you? And my mother thought this is either going to be bad or it's going to be good. No, <laughs> she said, she said, why? And she said, oh, because my favorite radio pastor is a, a, a guy named Jeff Wickwire. Well, my mother now is like a Cheshire cat. And she says, that's my son. <laughs> and the woman, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. But anyway, it made my mother's year because now she's got favor with the choir director. Amen? Amen. You never know who you're reaching. You never know. And so that was a blessing to me. All right, this time we're looking at verse 6. And if you're watching, Mother, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're looking at verse 6, the final verse in Psalms 23. And again, let's read it, surely goodness and mercy. Now notice the surely, how positive David is of this. Surely, not hopefully, maybe, but surely, Goodness and mercy are going to follow me around all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What an incredible closing verse. Now, in closing out his psalm, David is looking back, remember, over an entire year in the life of a sheep with his shepherd. And he ends the journey with one thing every Christian can know for certain, and that is that goodness and mercy will always be a part of Jesus' care for us as his sheep. He said, surely. Everybody say, surely. We can say, surely the sun's going to rise in the morning. Just as surely, goodness and mercy are a part of Jesus' shepherding of us. Goodness and mercy. What a duo. What a beautiful duo. So goodness and mercy will be the treatment that we receive from our good shepherd. Now, It's easy to say this when everything's going well, right? It's easy to say this, he's my shepherd. Oh, he's a good shepherd when things are going great. Bill's being paid, you got a great job, you're in good health, people are treating you well, and the sun is shining. It's easy to say, well, he's a good shepherd. But what about when things go sideways? Isn't that when we're attacked about the good shepherding of Jesus? When life takes a turn. When a job falls through, or our health erodes, or people we thought were our friends turn on us, and we can't figure out why. What about then? Isn't it more difficult then to look up and say, Lord, I believe you're a good shepherd? Sometimes we're tempted to say, let's tell the truth tonight, where are you? Where are you? That that all this is going down in my life, where are you? What's up with this, Lord? If you're a good shepherd, why am I going through all these things? Of course, if you come here for for, uh, very long, and on this series alone, we've taught that God uses tribulation, God uses difficulty, God uses stress and pressure to build faith in our lives, to to deepen our faith, to deepen the roots, and and to make us more fruitful. God uses it, and, and we'd be lying if we didn't say so. God uses it, but he's able to make all things work together for the good, and that's where the good shepherding comes in. No matter what you go through, he's still going to make it work together for the good 
good, the good shepherd brings good out of even our toughest times. That's the promise. But it's not easy, nevertheless. I can think of many times in my walk with the Lord when I encountered very deep, dark valleys. My life has, has, been, has been marked by, seriously, some very trying times. I've had some tough times in my life. I just have. Um, walking with the Lord um, or not walking with the Lord before I knew Jesus, after I knew Jesus. I've been through some valleys that took the breath out of me. And I'm just telling you the truth. Um, you know, I, I like saying God is good all the time and all the time God is good. Some people look at you when you say that so flippantly and they go, well, I'm glad you feel that way because right now I'm wondering where God is in my life. The bottom line is we've learned in this series, even when you're walking through a deep, dark valley, I will fear no evil for he is with me. His rod and staff comfort me. And all the while, he's preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies that, that he's going to bless me with. But, but there have been times, listen, people I trusted and I assumed were my friends proved otherwise. That's the toughest kind right there, betrayal, particularly when, when times were tough. In fact, I found myself surrounded by a tiny handful of supportive people who I never expected to be there, and the ones that I thought would be there disappeared. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but that'll, that'll bless your day. Well, where's so-and-so and so-and-so? Well, they were only there when times were good and you were riding the wave. But when, now that you're down and out for a season, where, where'd they go? Well, they were fair-weather friends. And one of the good things about going through a deep, dark valley is you find out who your friends really are. You find out who they really are because you find a lot of the time, unfortunately, they were not what you thought they were. But here's the deal. I discovered through it all, just like I know you probably have, was when everyone else walked out, Jesus walked in. Can I say that again? When, when key people walked out, Jesus walked in. And he always, over time, worked in what David talked about in the last verse, goodness and mercy started following me. Right when I didn't think I'd ever see it again, I saw goodness and mercy again. See, when you walk with Jesus, you're always going to see goodness and you're always going to see mercy again. You may go through a time where you wonder where it is, but they're like two little puppy dogs following you around. Here comes goodness, here comes mercy. And right when you think you're never going to hear from them again, they nip at your heels and there's goodness and there's mercy because the Lord is never going to let you down. He's never going to walk away. He's always, always, surely goodness and mercy will always follow me all the days of my life when I walk with Jesus. Paul the Apostle had the very same experience of people he thought would stick with him walking away. He said, at first, my first defense, this is one example. At my first defense, Paul testifies to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. At my first defense, when I was taken before Caesar, no one, everybody's saying no one. Now, we're not talking about most of them stayed away or half of them stayed away. He's talking about the people he had led to Christ. He's talking about people who he loved. He's talking about people who he names at the end of some of his epistles and brags on and talks about. When he went before Caesar, no one, no one came to my support. Everybody deserted me. Can I read that again? Do you hear the pain in his voice? 
everyone deserted me. Wow. So where was the good shepherd there? Well, we know where he was. When everyone deserted him, Jesus stepped in, because look what he says. May it not be held against them. Read verse 17 out loud with me. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that? And the Lord always will stand at your side and give you strength. So that through me, says Paul, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I love this last part. I was delivered from the lion's mouth. I was delivered. The Lord stood with me. The Lord strengthened me. The Lord enabled me. And the Lord protected me. And goodness like two little puppy dogs followed me through it all. Amen. Do you remember your days when you were walking in sin, living for the devil, Was it goodness and mercy that followed you around all the days of your life? No. It was trouble. It was regret. It was destruction. It was tragedy. It was it was all kinds of negatives. Isn't it wonderful that when we get saved, not only do we switch kingdoms, we switch kings. And the devil and all that we knew walking with him, none of it paid off. But when we come to King Jesus, we discover goodness mercy following us every step of the way. Amen. So I think sometimes when you're feeling down, you need to look around and say, goodness and mercy, where are you? Come here, because I know you're here somewhere. Amen. The Lord's goodness and mercy followed the apostle Paul wherever he went. And that's what David says of all of us. Goodness and mercy are the signature blessings of Jesus Christ. Our good shepherd has not promised we'll be shielded from trials and testings. He will not shield us from all trials and testings. But he has promised to be with us in the trial, to work it out for our good, and goodness and mercy are always seen when we look back and we thought he was nowhere around. Looking back, we can see, oh, he was there, and he was here, and he was over there, and he was walking with me and helping me every step of the way, carrying me when I didn't even know that he was carrying me. Amen. Now, let me give you a thought tonight. Not only do goodness and mercy follow along behind us as part of our walk with the shepherd, but we also leave them behind us by way of legacy to others everywhere we go. So let's look at this two ways. God follows us, blesses us, with his goodness and his mercy everywhere we go when we're walking with him, sold out to him, submitted to him, goodness and mercy follow us around everywhere. But, but here's the second side of this. We also leave behind us goodness and mercy in the lives of others as a legacy. Surely goodness and mercy follow where I've been. Are you with me? Got the no nods tonight. Do do, do this or do this. Goodness and mercy not only follow me as a blessing from God, but because I walk with him, surely goodness, I leave behind me everywhere I go, goodness and mercy follow me. Are you with me? Now, it's very interesting that in ancient literature, and I'm just going to be real blunt, real honest with you tonight. Sheep were referred to as those of the golden hooves. 
because of the beneficial effect they had on land they had occupied. A sheep's manure is the best fertilizer of any animal alive. And one sheep rancher wrote, he had personally witnessed two derelict ranches restored to high productivity and usefulness simply by sheep being brought onto the land and leaving them there for a season. In other words, goodness and mercy followed the flock of sheep. I know that's a weird way to put it, but I got to tell you the truth. All right? But listen carefully to me now. You as a human being, we all need to think of this. Always realize this. We all leave a legacy behind everywhere we go. We leave a legacy behind. We might ask ourselves this question. Do I typically leave a blessing behind me? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So when I leave a place, when you and I leave a place, do we leave behind goodness and mercy? Are you with me? Let's talk real tonight because doesn't God want us to be a blessing? Aren't we called to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth? All right, now watch. Do I leave behind, do you leave behind good memories? The fragrance of Jesus Christ. Or do I leave a trail of sadness and pain? If we walk with Jesus, folks, we will leave behind us a blessing of goodness and mercy. Surely goodness and mercy will follow where I've been, will will be where I have been, will linger where I have been. Paul the Apostle wrote, for we are the aroma or the fragrance, the cologne or perfume of Christ. And so have you ever walked into a room and, boy, somebody had on some incredible cologne or somebody had on some incredible perfume and it just grabs you because, you know, if it's, a, if it's perfume you're smelling and you're a guy, you're thinking, man, I'd like to get that for my wife. Or if you're a woman and it's, a, it's cologne, you're thinking, I'd like to get that for my man, right? Because whoever wore it left behind a fragrance, all right? And it lingers in the air. Now, listen, God's plan for every believer is that we leave behind the fragrance of Christ. Goodness and mercy will follow where I've been. Goodness and mercy will follow where I've been. Amen. So true. It's so true. My daughter um, contacted me last night. She said, Dad, do you remember so-and-so? She, and she typed out a name. She messaged me. And, and I said, kind of. And she said, well, her maiden name is. And then she told me the maiden name. I said, oh, yeah, I remember her, and I know her husband. And, and as a matter of fact, her dad had been a friend of mine. And she said, Dad, I ran into her totally out of the blue, and she realized who I was, and she began to tell me, how you, how Jesus in you had changed her life. And how, now I say this in all humility, listen, I'm nothing. I just wear some nice perfume or cologne, <laughs> Jesus. All right? Now I don't always, listen, sometimes I wish I wore it better than others, but, but I try to wear that Jesus cologne. All right? And, and so she was going on and on to Julia about how, and and this girl then said to her, the whole reason I'm in ministry was your dad. Now, Julia said, Dad, I'm so proud that you're my dad. Now, listen, 
what she ran into was goodness and mercy following me. Uh, Okay? Now, but it's not just because I'm a preacher. Listen, all of you, everywhere you go, you're, you're, you're a fragrance of Christ. And, and we're, we're, to, we're called to leave a blessing behind. Surely goodness and mercy will follow along behind me where I've been. Now, we don't bat a thousand doing this. We make mistakes. We say things, do things. And there's, there's, all of us have regrets back there, all right? But, but the main thing is to have the idea that God's intention for all of us as lights of the world and salt of the earth and carriers of his fragrance is that we would leave behind goodness and mercy. So Isaiah wrote, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of them that bring good news, that publish peace. See, that's not just preachers, that's you. How many of you know Jesus? Raise your hand. All right? Then you got beautiful feet. I don't care what your feet look like. You got beautiful feet. You got beautiful feet because if you're bringing Jesus and you're publishing the message of him, your feet are beautiful. Amen? And that means you're leaving a blessing wherever your feet trod. That's the idea. And so let's ask ourselves just a couple of simple searching questions. Do I leave behind peace in other lives or turmoil? Do I leave behind forgiveness or bitterness? Do I leave behind contentment or conflict? Do I leave behind the aroma of joy or do I leave frustration? Do I leave behind love or do I leave hostility? See, see, there's only two kinds of people at the risk of being overly simplistic. Those who leave behind a blessing and those who don't. So it's important to think and remember always that no matter where you are, an elevator, in a convenience store, um, pumping gas, at your job, out mowing your lawn, wherever you are, you're always that day, every day, you're leaving a legacy. So at the end of any day, you ought to stop and think, all right, let's, let's look back at today. I encountered X number of people at work and so on and so forth. Did I leave behind goodness and mercy? Did I leave behind the fragrance of the Lord? It's a, it's a real, listen, it's a real thought because Jesus went about everywhere doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He left behind a blessing everywhere he went and we're his children. So it's a good thing to aim for. It's a good thing to shoot for. You know, some people, I've known people that left behind such a mess their whole life. All they're ever doing is covering their tracks from where they've been. They don't want to go back where they've been because of what people might say or remember about them. But not those who walk closely with a good shepherd. They leave a legacy like Jesus did. Amen? Those that follow the good shepherd harbor no shame or no trepidation about returning where they've been because they left an uplifting legacy, encouragement, goodness, and mercy. So not only do goodness and mercy follow us personally, courtesy of our own good shepherd, but we in turn leave behind the legacy of goodness and mercy. You can't give what you don't have, but you always will always dispense what you do have. So thank God. Can we say together, thank God 
for goodness and mercy. Amen. Come on, everybody. Goodness and mercy. Now we come to the close of this incredible psalm, the second part of verse 6. The shepherd has taken us. Let's remember, once again, Psalms 23 is a, a, really a, a year in the life of a sheep. It's a whole year in the life of a sheep. He, he's, he's covering the four seasons of a year in the life of a sheep. The shepherd has taken us from verse 1 through, through a year in the life of a sheep. We've traveled from the green pastures and the still waters of the home ranch up through the mountain passes on the high tablelands of the summer range. Fall has come with its storms and rain and sleet that drives the sheep down the foothills back to the home ranch for the long, quiet winter. And when they go back to the home ranch, this for them is coming home. For the sheep, it's a return to the familiar surroundings of fields and corrals and barns and shelters of the owner's home. A year in the life, a year in the life of a sheep. Now, it's with this scene in mind that David says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. I'm home now. I'm home now. So I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, anybody here knows what the application is is. It's obvious. In our journey through life, our own good shepherd has guided us through all the trials and tribulations of this fallen world, just like those sheep are carried through tough terrain, valleys, times when predators are lurking. Our shepherd has safely led us through our own dark valleys, has delivered us from dangerous demonic predators, He's wisely instructed us to avoid the poisonous weeds of sin and the toxic, unclean waters of worldly ways. He's walked us through the seasons of our life as our faithful shepherd and guide. Now, I want you to listen and pull in tight now with me. Something I want to talk to you about that we really, really need to understand. As those sheep, we look at the year, a year in the life of the sheep, as they went through four seasons in Psalms 23, spring, summer, fall, winter, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3.1 that just as sheep are guided through the seasons of a year, we experience four seasons in our own life. All of us do. And everybody here, you're in one of the four seasons right now. Old wise Solomon wrote this, to everything. Everybody say everything. That means everything in your life, to everything in your life, there is a season. And there is a time for every purpose God has for you under heaven. So he's talking about seasons and timing here. Now, it's important that we understand the difference because what is the difference between a season and a time? He's clearly talking about two different things because to everything in our life, there's a season for it and there is a time for every purpose under heaven. So what is the difference between the two? Well, the word time is from the Greek word chronos, chronograph. You know, it has everything to do with how long something lasts, the duration like, we've been in here now. This service has been going on for 50 minutes. That's the chronos of this service. The duration of this service has been 50 minutes 
so far. All right? So that's time, a time for every purpose under heaven. So for every purpose God has for us, there is a timer attached to it. Okay? Now let's talk about season. Season is the Greek word kairos. So you have chronos and kairos. Chronos is duration, how long something lasts. But kairos is the right time for something. It's talking about the right time, not how long a time, but the right time for something. There is a right time for every purpose God has in your life. See, you can know God's will for your life, but how many of you have ever tried to step out and do God's will when it wasn't time? Come on, everybody. I mean, remember Moses now. Moses began to realize God's hand is on me to to deliver the people of Israel. I'm a deliverer. But remember, he tried to step into his calling before the kairos was right. So he killed a man. He killed an Egyptian to protect uh, an Israeli. And when he did, he became a fugitive. It's what drove him to the wilderness for 40 years because he tried to step into God's will as a deliverer before the timing was right. So you can know God's will about something, but you also need to understand the timing for God's will. Because for every purpose, there is a duration and there is a right time. Are you with me, everybody? Come on now. See, you can know that there is a, that God has a, a purpose in your life. You know, some person, some place, some thing, some job, some career, some door that you believe is going to open. And you, and you know that it's God's will. But I guarantee you that door will not swing open until the kairos is right. All right? So there's kronos duration. There's kairos, the right time. Now, with that in mind, all of us here tonight, I'm about to look at the four seasons and what they mean spiritually, but all of us here tonight have certain things that God wants to come to pass in our life. But wisdom is when you can understand the right time. And when the right time comes, brother, sister, all you got to do is miss a couple of kairoses and you say, I will never miss a kairos again. When God opens the door and the right time, the right opportunity comes and he opens that door, you learn. You get right up and you walk through that thing lest you miss the kairos because kairos, listen, God's opportunities have a way when they knock on your door, they won't knock forever. And if you don't open the door and take advantage of the right time to do the right thing, God will move down the street and find somebody else that will do it. Amen. So, so see, there's wisdom. That, there's wisdom in understanding the difference. Duration. You know, we may have 70 years, 80 years on this planet, maybe longer. My mother, she's 95. That's duration. But in those years... God has opportunities and purposes for our life that have a timer on them. And when the time is right, we step. We step through that door. We seize the opportunity. So let's talk about the seasons. It says in Ecclesiastes 3 that the first season is described this way, a time to be born. It says there is a time to be born. That's the spring of our lives. When we're young, 
And when we're young, we're in need of instruction. Amen. How many of you know when you're born, you don't know anything? You're born with a blank slate. You don't know anything. And whoever teaches you, it's so important because whoever starts pouring into your little brain is, is giving you the first information of your entire life. It's the spring of your life, the spring of life. It's when you learn morals, ethics, values. It's when your character begins to form. If you're fortunate enough to be introduced to Jesus in the springtime of your life, the Lord begins the lifelong experience of leading you as uh, your shepherd when you're very, very young. And that's what we're always aiming for here at Turning Point. Pastor Ray, he gets these little children. It begins to teach them the Word of God. And we, and we try to help the parents teach the children the Word of God because we want to get them before the devil has time to get them. And these days, the devil's going after them when they're really, really young. So we're trying to get them when they can barely understand anything. We're going to pour the Word of God into them. So everybody say the spring of life. Now, I'm looking around. There isn't anybody here that's still in the spring of their life. So let's just move on. (laughs) Well, I just, there's nobody here in the spring of life. How many of you would like to go back to the spring of life? Not me. God bless you. Here's the next season. After the spring of life, he says, then next there is a time to plant. That's the summer of our lives. And when we go about using what we have learned in the spring season, we get out of school or college, we secure a job or a career where we can demonstrate our talents and use them to earn a living. We typically get get married and raise a family in the summertime of our life. Now, on the spiritual side of things, the summer season is when we put to use our calling and gifts. The seeds we sowed of Bible truth, and the time we spent with the Lord in the springtime of our life burst from the ground to bring forth kingdom fruit in the summertime of our life. One of the things I'm so grateful to God for is that he called me when I was 18, and I started preaching when I was 19. I'm so thankful for that. Jeff had nothing to do with that. It was the mercy and the grace of God. But I I look back and I'm so thankful that it happened when I was just entering the summer of my life. Because So for the whole summertime of my life, I I was doing exactly what I'm sharing with you here. I I was putting to use what I learned in the springtime, and and, and God allowed me to blossom in the summertime. The summertime is the time of opportunity. It's the time of open doors. It's the time of maximum energy output for the kingdom of God. We want to serve God. And the Bible exhorts young people, serve God in your youth. Serve God in the summertime of your life. Don't waste it on sin, but, but, but throw yourself on Jesus and live for God in the summertime of your life because those are the most energetic, exciting, visionary years of your life. Amen. But, you know, one thing to, to comfort some of you who are sitting there thinking, well, I wish I'd known the Lord in the summertime of my life. Listen, the Lord has a way of giving you double for your trouble. The Lord has a way when you miss a season. If you miss a season, we serve a God that follows us with goodness and mercy. And, and, and God is a God of opportunity. And, and I have seen when I've missed the, some kairoses in my life, God has a way of, of pulling in the slack and opening doors and helping me to make up for lost time. 
So when is the best time to serve the Lord? Now. Don't look back and say, well, I wish I'd known him then, so why try now? No, if you're 80, get after it now. Get after it now. Serve him now. So there's the springtime, there's the summertime, then there's the fall time, the autumn of life. And he says, that's the time to pluck up. The time to pluck up. What does that mean? Autumn is harvest time. Autumn is harvest time in the Bible. You sowed in the spring and you reaped in harvest time in the autumn. And it's the same with our life. In autumn time, we draw on the resources we have planted earlier in life. It's like we're harvesting the vegetables from our garden, which were planted for another day. We've, we have the saying, saving up for a rainy day, okay? Things that you sowed, things you learned, things you achieved in the summertime uh, help take care of you in the autumn of life. Now it's time to pluck them up and put them to good use. In the autumn season, we're sustained by the fruit of the wise living from our summer season. It's interesting that the definition uh, given by one dictionary for pluck, time to pluck up, is resourceful courage and daring in the face of difficulties. And boy, that's the autumn of life, right? You look in the mirror and you go, where do those wrinkles come from? What happened to my hair? Where where did this and that come from? I don't remember ever looking at that. Something, something's really wrong with this, this mirror. No, it's the autumn of life, dude. And, and it, just go to a high school reunion sometime. Be sure you wear a name tag because they're not going to know you and you're not going to know them. But the autumn of life is the season where we pour our accumulated wisdom into others that are only now in their spring or summer seasons. In other words, hopefully by the time you're in the autumn of your life, you've learned enough and lived wisely enough that you've got some things you can impart to people in the spring and summer of their life. Amen? And then we got to deal with winter. He says, there is a time to die. The winter of our life is old age. Now to each of us, there comes a time when material things no longer matter. My mother is in a retirement home that I've talked about tonight. Everything she owns now fits in one small apartment. It didn't used to be that way. But everything she's got is in that one small apartment, and she is as happy as a bug in a rug. But material things don't matter to my mother anymore. What matters is her friends, her children, relationships, her God, her, her Lord. In the winter season, we're close to finishing our journey. We will soon stand before God and be judged according to our deeds and receive our crown of life. Revelations 2.10 says, Blessed are those who die in the Lord, that they may have rest from their labors. I like that. Everybody say rest. What happens when, when the Christian dies? We have rest from our labors. No more alarm clocks. No more rush hour traffic. No more dealing with people. I mean, ornery people, obnoxious people, difficult people. It's all over. No more having to be here and there and everywhere. No more work. No more sweat. No more taking care of this and that. No more paying bills. No more bill collectors. Have you ever noticed they're very faithful to write you when you owe? 
the water company, electric company, they're right there on time in the mail, right? All right, now, this is the winter season. It's all done then. It's done. We have entered our rest. And the Bible says, blessed are those who die in the Lord, that they may have rest from their labors and their works. Watch this now. Their works follow them. Everybody say that with me. My works follow me. What is that saying? Whatever you did for Christ, whatever you, wherever you served him, wherever you brought the fragrance of him and brought goodness and mercy, wherever you touched somebody's life for the Lord, whenever you got on your knees and you prayed, the fruit that you bore spiritually, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you that you would go and bring forth fruit and your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may do it. The fruit you bore inside, the fruit you produced outside, all those things follow you. They follow you. See, we can't take anything with us materially. No cars, no houses, no money, no bank account, no retirement, no gold, no silver. But what we can do is send something ahead of us. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't corrupt, where thieves can't break in and steal, because where your treasure is, that's where I'll find your heart also. So notice he says in the book of Revelation, when you die in the Lord, your works come along behind you. They follow behind you. And I promise you, Jesus is not going to say this to any of us. What was the square footage of your house? What kind of car did you drive? Did you make it to that Lexus level? Did you get that Mercedes? About that Range Rover? Did you get that? He's not going to say, how many Armani suits did you have? He's not going to say, how big was the bank account? He's not going to say, how impressed were people by your success? He's not going to say, what street did you live on? He's not going to say any of those things. He's going to say, how'd you serve me? What did you do in my name? Who was touched by me in you? How often did you obey me and step out and serve me? How many people back there where you just left, that world that you just left, how many of them even knew you knew me? That's what he's going to want to know because he said, when you die in the Lord, your works follow you. I'm very greedy for what I can lay up in heaven. I am. I am. Listen, I've preached my whole life. I've served the Lord my whole life. I'm just giving you a little testimony. It, to, to the glory of God, i preached my whole life. The devil tried to take me out several times. But when I look over my life, I still, I still, I say, God, I'm trying to take care of myself. I'm, I'm trying to serve you. And I'm asking you, let me preach. People say, when are you going to retire? When I can't get there anymore. When I can't get here, that's when I stop. But even then I won't retire. I'll just write or something. But, but I want to go when I'm 75, 80, 85. Lord, I may get there with my mother, 95. And they wheel me out here. I still, 
I still want to, okay? Now I'm just saying, because I'm greedy for what I can bring along behind me. Amen? And you ought to feel that way too, because what's done for Christ will last. Amen? Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. So the Bible says, precious in God's sight is the death of his saints. The Bible says that we should understand the season that we're in. What season are you in tonight? Spring, summer, fall, winter. What season? And in that season, what opportunities is God giving you? And are you seizing them? Because Paul said, redeem the time. That means make the most out of every opportunity presented in that season. So, so whatever season you're in, spring, summer, fall, winter, whatever season it is, in that season, you can be sure as a believer, God has some kairoses for you, some opportunities for you, some, some, some things he wants you to do. And are you seizing it? Or is it just passing you by? The old Latin phrase, carpe diem. Carpe diem. Seize the day. Seize the day. Can you say that with me? Seize the day. That means seize the moment. Make the most of every opportunity. Seize the season. Seize the season. I have friends, and I'll close with this, who would give anything to be able to still preach. One of them messaged me today. He can't anymore. He was a pastor, but he can't anymore because of diabetes and what it's done to his feet. He can't get there anymore. And so he messaged me today. And he said, how you doing? I said, I'm doing, I'm doing good. He said, well, I just got back from the foot doctor. He said, I guess you're preaching tonight. Yeah. And I could hear it in his voice. I wish I could. But see, now that season for me is gone. So carpe diem, grab it while it's grabbable. Seize it. While it's seizable, do it while it's doable. Because the season will pass. Can we stand up together tonight? Amen. Thank God the day is coming for the Christian when the devil will be bound, sin will be vanquished. Pain and suffering will cease to exist, and we will dwell in endless bliss and peace in the arms of our good shepherd. So until then, let me just say to you, let's do all we can in as many ways as we can, as often as we can, serve the Lord while we can. Amen? Amen. Let's worship the Lord tonight. Let's worship our good shepherd. Thank you, Lord. Lord, whether or not we're in spring, summer, fall, or winter in life, Lord, we know that there is a purpose. There are opportunities. There are doors that you are wanting us to walk through, opportunities you want us to seize and make the most of. So no matter what season in life we're in, help us to seize the season. And, and Lord, store up treasure in heaven. In Jesus' mighty name.
Somebody lift your hands and worship the Good Shepherd. by the 23rd Psalm. Wasn't it a good series? Wasn't it a good series? Okay, let me ask, how many are in summertime? We got some summer, well, wait a minute. Some of you got to be lying, I'm sorry. <laughs> summertime, I, I could almost, I have put some ages to it. I won't. But how can you say, how many are in the awakening group? Summertime. No, how many of you are in fall. Come on, you're in autumn. It's autumn. Hey, how many of you in winter? My mother's in winter and she's having the time of her life. You're in winter. Raise your hand. Winter. Amen. Some of you just don't want to claim it. <laughs> oh boy. But how many of you know, no matter what season I'm in, there is, there is an opportunity for me to serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let me bless you. Father, we just thank you right now for the seasons of our life. Time is racing by, Lord. Surely Jesus is at the door. As the prophet said, Lord, the shadows of the evening are lengthening. Lord, help us as a church. Help us as individuals to make a mark for Christ that our lives would count for him in Jesus' mighty name. Make your face to shine upon us, Lord, as we go in healing, in blessing, and help us to leave behind us goodness and mercy everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen.